Hello, you're listening to Connect, Collaborate, and Create with Lisa and Devo. Each week on our podcast, we will discuss and dissect ways we are attempting to live our best life through our business, our personal lives, and connections and relationships we forge that make us successful. All right. Hey, good morning. So Debo and Lisa here for Mind Body Business. And we've got actually an interesting concept on the agenda today. We have two back-to-back podcasts that we're going to recording, uh, that we will be recording. And the reason why is we just kind of, we're making a little bit of a shift in the format of how we do this, trying to play with what works best and what our massive audience is sending in for notes and what they want to hear. Um, but actually, we've got two pretty cool the guests. Crowd spoken. <laughs> so we made a few tweaks in it. Um, and we're excited about two people. I, I know Dan, Dan Gortner, he is the uh, mastermind leader for a concept called Tribepreneurs. He's actually out of the Netherlands and he is the founder and fire starter and visionary behind Tribepreneurs. We're going to bring him in in a minute. He and his partner have created a pretty unique disposition on, on masterminds and they're going to kind of come in and he's going to come on and talk a little bit about that. And then after that, we have a second podcast with Gabrielle Gonzalez, which I'll formally introduce her again. And she is a mental health therapist using music and art as a healing modality. And we're going to talk a little bit about how she got into that space and, and how she's using it with efficacy and some really unique some really unique takes she has on how mental health and therapy around that should be treated today. So before we jump into that, you and I are going to talk a little bit about we're living in a crazy, crazy time right now. And I'm not talking about necessarily Corona or anything else. There is, and Dan's going to jump into this a little bit because I know his take on it. We're living in a, a really, really unique crossroads of time right now. Not just not just as a human civilization, but um, just in, in the terms of the information at our hands and the, the amount of overload of information because of social media, because of being quarantined, and because people have an, an, an inordinate amount of extra time on their hand, there's been more viewing and there's been more creating and there's been a shift. And everyone is now kind of scrambling because either they've lost their job or they see the writing on the wall with their job, or they're just always wanted to get into an entrepreneurial space. And so now social media has given them, us, all of us, the platform to do that at a relatively low financial entry point, right? Absolutely. But because of that, like anything else, there's an overload of information and there's a lot of people that are just scrambling to get anything they possibly can up online. And some of that information is valuable and some of that is not so valuable. And so we wanted to have a kind of a quick conversation around, it's not really our take on how you police yourself on it, but how does somebody, and this is a question to you because you've been online for years now, you've been doing your selling your your products, selling your photography, and now selling social media workshops. We have a podcast, we're doing consulting, all those sorts of things. How does someone like you, and this is just kind of your take, how does someone like you manage all of the hype and the hysteria? And how do you sort through all the clutter that you're being bombarded with right now on social media? Well, you said something about seeing the writing on the wall with what's been going on. I've been painting a lot in my house, so I haven't seen any writing on the wall. But we were talking, this this stemmed from a conversation that we just started having organically this morning, that every time myself personally, I go onto Instagram, I'm feeling almost like anxiety ridden. There's so much, whether it's sponsored content, 
people just selling, 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 selling. I went through my stories this morning and, and it's not even curated content. And I know that people want to see more real things, but it's people holding a phone up and talking to the phone and like, I'm selling this and we have this, this great mastermind starting, or we have this great uh, online class starting with, I'm feeling like not much thought going into it. It's just a bombardment of people selling things that, that might just be my feed but there's a lot of content going out there with people selling whatever they can sell. And my takeaway from it personally, as a, as a, a solopreneur is that, Oh my gosh, you know, I didn't get that out there and maybe I'm, I'm behind the ball and I'm not doing what I should be doing. Should I be selling like that? Or it, it's, it's just a lot. Is that just me? No, it's, it's an interesting take. So if you go back to the history of time, there, there have always been people that have been have been selling something. I mean, that's what the core of our society is built upon. And, and you, you had people selling vacuums. And before that, you had carpetbaggers selling solutions. And before that, you had people walking around in markets and mass fairs and all that still exists today. And social media has become that flea market, if you will. And so it's a virtual flea market, honestly. And, and Facebook kind of started that. And then now Instagram for better or for worse is kind of pivoting in my opinion into that space. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that in the second piece today on, on the, the role social media is having on our viewership, our consumption of media. But mm-hmm. there, there, let me go back to the original point. There've always been people who have carpet baggers who have been selling something. And a lot of people, the general masses of people fall to that. That's how presidents have gotten elected. That's how policies have been have been mandated because a lot of times people fall into that herd mentality, if you will, and they're following somebody else and they're following somebody else. And so we're very human based viewers, right? We see let's let's take you for example. You have a large influence on Instagram and you have a lot of and whether you get embarrassed by it or not, you have a large number of women specifically who love and follow your content. And 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 honestly, I've had messages that people have sent me about you, for example, your fashion really? or, your, or your take on style <laughs> and how they would follow you or they listen to you. But a lot of people hang on your words, a lot of things that you post and the content that you put out. And you have a lot of repeat people who come back and follow that. You have your you have some disciples, if you will. And so if you look at the history of time for me, there have always been that sort of paradigm where you have a leader, and then you have followers. Like you grew up in that space, right? So we were both as, as younger adults fell prey to someone else's nonsense in a manner of speaking, right? So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you police yourself against that? How well, do you- we were talking a little bit this morning about some of those leaders in social media right now that are, and, and basically because we had Dan coming on, we started talking about masterminds and we started talking about the Tony Robbins, those big names. And then the, the other, uh, the other people in his cool kids club, is that what we were calling it? Basically, whether it's Tony Robbins, Amy Porterfield, all of the likes of them that are, are together and they bind together, they're promoting together, they're selling together. So all of a sudden they've got all this rah-rah going on that you feel like you're missing out. We're not in the cool kids club. I'm back in high school again. And there's a lot of promoting. There's a lot of self-promoting between them. 
And a lot of a collaborative lot of, promotions too. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And there's a lot of hype around that, like going away. And I'm not sure how this is going to change now with, with being quarantined and everything like that, but going away to one of their retreats and the hype that's behind it, almost like being at a concert and then leaving and being on your own again and not having that, that vibe that they create. So we were talking a little bit about that and our feelings on that. Well, well, it's kind of interesting. So I keep going back historically, there've always been that sort of situation with humans, whether it be sporting events, whether it be religious gatherings, whether it be people who have originally sat around campfires and, and communicated and through, through a culture of just collaborating and whatnot. And so for me, when I see that sort of stuff, I have a very specific opinion about what appeals to me. And one of the reasons I liked what Dan and his group did is they, they've taken a different take. It's, it's not all the rah-rah, the jumping up and down and the stomping, and it's not all of the sales-oriented the sales oriented disposition of join me, we promise you the world and, and then you pay me several thousand dollars and I'm going to give you the world for two and two days, three days, these workshops that you're talking about. And, and then when you go home, it's like, now what? Right. So we're not, we're not saying that that's, there's, there's a voice and a, a something for everyone. And a large majority of the population does like that. They do like that excitement, like whether it's sports or concerts or anything like that. And we were saying that ourselves personally, I obviously was never a cheerleader. I'm not that person and I'm not that person that's going to cheer. And well, I will, especially for my kids. But I'm, I'm more of a, the type of person that's, and for you. And when I'm playing soccer, you cheer. <laughs> Absolutely, bulldog. <laughs> But I'm more of the person that's going to sit, take it all in, listen to what people are saying, let it resonate, and then come to my conclusion quietly and move forward. So I think some of those things are overwhelming and intimidating. And I'm feeling like when I'm going on my social media right now, I'm being bombarded with a lot of that. Yeah, but a lot of people are not that way. And, my, and I, mm -hmm. I, I guess my point is, is that most people are not like you. Most people are looking to belong to something. They want that membership. They want that camaraderie. That's why people gather in the thousands to support a team. That's why soccer, you know, across Europe, some soccer stadiums have banned rival, rival fans from joining the events, as we saw when we were in Napoli, because they didn't want fights to ensue, because people become so passionate about their membership. They become so passionate about their membership into an organization. And, and that is for some people. It's not for mm -hmm. me. It's not for you. But I guess for me, um, when I'm looking at social media now, a lot of the stuff that's just coming across, it's just so overtly salesy and, off, uh, and offering so many things that it almost sounds like a modern day Ponzi scheme to me on social media. And so I steer away from it. You steer away from it. But other people don't. And so it's our job because we are selling something. We're selling education. We're selling consulting. We're selling social media. It's our job to make sure that as influencers or as teachers or as educators that we have some guidelines of integrity and a moral obligation to, to share the truth and not just offer something that is Ponzi scheme, right? So mm -hmm. I, I don't know how you police that. I guess for me, I would just tell people, you know, how do you sort through the clutter? do some research on it. Honestly, like go to a website and Google it and see, have people put in negative reviews about a program or is there, and, and the minute I start seeing negative reviews on a program, 
the minute I turn turn go the other direction. Because if one or two or three or four people have been affected by a common theme, there's a common theme under that truth, right? So, um, so Dan has an interesting take on all of this. You're going to hear his, pre yeah. his presentation in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. And just, I want to learn a little bit about how he got into the space of mastermind because, well, let's talk and let's bring him in right now. We'll have this conversation with him because masterminds have been around forever, right? Mm -hmm. All right, Dan, I am going to bring you in and you should get a prompt from us in a second here to join. There he is. Hey guys. Hello. Hey, so Dan, you are a visionary. I'm, I'm reading from your script here. You're a founder of Tripreneurs. You are a fire starter and a space holder, which I need to understand what that is. Are you, are you like fire starter? Literally, you can start fires or is that? I can. I, I was part of the Boy Scouts when I was young. So yeah, I can start a fire or two, literally. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Yeah, no, I understand. So you got competition there, Diva. What's that? You've got competition there. Yeah. So Dan, did you, I'm assuming you heard our conversation. We were having a little bit about the hype and the hysteria and everybody utilizing social media right now to make a pivot or a shift or a scramble to get something, something online to sell. And yeah, I, re I resonate with that. It reminds me of being in Indonesia and s driving into a small village and then just seeing hundreds of shops that all sell exactly the same thing, crisps and chocolate mm -hmm. bars and newspapers. One person started doing that and then everybody was like, wow, you can make money with that. So let's copy paste until it gets overwhelming. So yeah, it's like, like I don't know if you, it's, for me, it's a flea market right now. It's a virtual flea yeah. market, literally. And, and, and it's forced me and, and I follow about 500 people on Instagram and I'll use Instagram as an example. There's about 500 people in my feed and because it's so ad generated now, based upon what I'm promoting or the content that I'm posting, that's the sort of stuff that's gonna fall into my space, which seems to be a lot around coaching, workshops, masterminds, the next big thing on social media, we will grow your followers to 10 million overnight and you'll become an influencer. And so like literally, like I, I get a DM from somebody every single day and they seem to be outside of America most of the time. It's like, hey, you have great content, but you're not your content's not being seen by everybody. I can promise to make you an influencer overnight. And people see that and they read that and like, well, I want to be an influencer. I want to do that. I want to have a million people follow me. So how do you sort through the clutter both as a viewer, but as somebody who is selling a service because you sell a service? So how how do you how do you define what you're offering to your tribe? So that it has efficacy, integrity, and people will be interested in learning more about it. It's, that's been that's the million dollar question, no? And that's been like that from the very beginning that we started Tripreneurs. We started the business from the heart. We didn't start it to make make money and get rich. We started it to serve the world and serve other people's lives. And we have really experimented with a wide variety of vulnerable posting of real, authentic, like hugging each other, sharing difficult things about our life and whatever, but we just run into a bunch of hate mongers and, and, and trollers on, on these posts that, oh, here's another person trying to sell something, but we were just showing ourselves. It's, it's, it's a mad world out there, especially on social media, to have the ability to truly, an, an authentic, real vision of wanting to change the world and people's lives, to bring that authentically and that it resonates with people. Wow, that's not easy. Can I just say though, like, and Devo, you'll probably talk more about because you have a relationship with Dan and, and you know more about what's what he's been doing because you were part of that as well. 
but what you have out there is not a cookie cutter. There's so many cookie cutters that we see. It's the same sort of coaching or the same sort of um, groups, but, but yours is totally different. And if you, if you take some time to look at your website, you really get a feeling for that and it really resonates. And, and some of the things like you talk about change makers and a new way of doing business and going from ego driven to heart orientated and instead of short term profits, lasting impact. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a new concept, especially for people that have been used to being either in the corporate world doing business, you're, you're speaking about things that have longevity, make a difference and have integrity. And you're kind of, you're reaching out to those people that have the same vision or you talk about being awakened to be part of that tribe. So it's, it's not, it's, you're not speaking to the masses. You're speaking to those people that resonate with, with the heart and soul of what you're trying to do. Correct. Yeah. It's a, quite a select audience, you could say, but we do so find they, that the people who, who do resonate do feel this instantly and they're excited. So in that sense, it works. So I want to dive into the whole idea of masterminds in a second, but before we get to that, you, you have a very compelling inner in it interesting story and as lisa touched on your take on masterminds is a little bit unique because as opposed to just focusing exclusively on business development you've taken more of a spiritual and a holistic approach in trying to gather the people who want to be in your mastermind and you use you use spiritual development and personal development as a catalyst for increasing your business acumen but focusing more on the spiritual side first as opposed to the business side is that a fair assessment well, more or less, if you really, truly read Think and Grow Rich and you really read between the letters of what Napoleon Hill is transmitting there, he's talking about a mastermind being your amplification, you know, antenna with the source or your subconscious mind or the field or whatever you want to call it. And science is catching up on this terminology of spiritual wisdom of how information works and how we can download certain insights in our next moves, not from the conscious mind, but from, you can call it our subconscious or from the universe. And I truly, I believe that a mastermind is intended to be used for, yes, for business development, yes, sharing network and resources, brainstorming together, but also really coming in tune with your, the, the mission of your soul, really, and bringing that into fruition. And that's how we deploy this mastermind group to, Constantly find the alignment within oneself through a holistic development, not only business development, but intellectual development, emotional development, and of course, also spiritual development, because that's what we are. We're all of that. Yeah. And our business is a vehicle, really. It's a vehicle to bring a mission into the world. You can run a business to just make money. You can run a business to help a lot of people, or you can run a business in order to come to your full self-realization as a human being or all of the above, of course. Well, so the the universal vibe currently that, that, this, that our society survives upon is in an economy of currency, it's money. And so Lisa and I have always talked about, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes have, people have mixed bag on, and I know that I do because I grew up really poor, poverty. And so I grew up to think that money was a bad thing. My parents, told me that people money is the root of all evil and you have to be godly we grew up in a religious environment and napoleon hill talks a little bit about that and so do other thought leaders that you know one of the reasons that 
I think his name is Kawasaki. He's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of the reasons that people yep. remain poor is that you grow up with this mindset. If you don't have money, that people who do have money are, are evil. And, and we grow up with a skewed perception of what money actually is. And, and for me, changing that mindset has been the biggest fundamental shift for me economically as a businessman to understand that money is not bad. It's how I use money that could be perceived or could have negative consequences for it, right? So Lisa and I have always said, the more money we can make, the more resources we will have at our disposal to make a difference in a positive effect and a positive fallout. Does that make sense? And I think Beautiful. that that's, when I first met you um, almost a year and a half ago, that was kind of the conversation that we had had that you're trying to create a community and you call them a community of change makers, but people who want to use an economic resource to be more of a thought leader, more of a agent of change across the planet. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And so you're, you have a couple of different projects going on, not only the tripreneurs, but you're also involved in building a fundamental self-inclusive community. Correct. Is that still kind of a pathway you mark? Tell me a little Absolutely. bit about how you, how did you get into that space? I know you spent some time living in South America and learning a sort of bunch of spiritual elements of life. How did that whole come together, that whole coalesce? Uh, it's been a journey of the last eight years since I graduated from aerospace engineering. I uh, came in contact with uh, plant medicine from South America, particularly around ayahuasca. And uh, before I had my first ceremony, the, my look on life was... Uh, materialistic, reductionalistic, and uh, yeah, very logic-driven. I was stuck in my head, basically. And I didn't believe in energy and the soul and the non-physical things and non-physical beings. I, I thought it was all a lot of baloney. But uh, that first session with the plant uh, allowed me to actually experience my light body and my soul, something I thought didn't exist. And it also brought me in connection with the earth, and I, I was, I remember lying on the ground at some point and I could feel the heartbeat of the planet. And I was flooded with a wave of unconditional love that our planet has for the human species, for us to make mistakes over and over again. And that, I would say that was my, my, my true awakening, that there's so much more than this physical reality, what I was conditioned and programmed to believe, which many of us are conditioned and programmed to believe. So over that, uh, after that, I've gone on a long journey. I've lived in the Amazon for a few months. I've spent time with different tribes. I, you know, experienced thousands of healing modalities with all kinds of different practitioners from over the world. And uh, now see life in a much more animistic way, that everything is alive and spirit is in everything. And uh, come to the conclusion and realization that my energy here is most suitable for creating lasting change for the future of our children. And for that, we need to change our ways. And I've really learned most of that from the indigenous people, how they communicate with the plant world, the plant kingdom, but also their connection with our, uh, yeah, I would say our stellar brothers and sisters, which for a lot of people is also a bunch of woo-woo, which it was for me. I thought a load of bullshit, but part of my French. <laughs> but I've come through direct experience and meeting countless of people who communicate with other world realms and energies that there is something very special and unique going on on the planet right now. A cycle of 26,000 years has come to an end and we are venturing into a golden age within which instant manifestation of our, of our thoughts and our dreams and desires is going to become possible to manifest in physical reality.
And uh, one of those projects that I feel called to is creating living environments where we can um, test and validate and showcase where innovation, um, science, spirituality, uh, personal development and business development all can come together in creating a harmonized world for human beings and all life around it. So that's where I feel called. See, I think right now we both want to drink that Kool-Aid. <laughs> right? Well, that goes back. Like, that goes back to the, sorry. Camera, that goes back to the original conversation that we started with is that everybody is looking for some sort of a Kool-Aid to drink from. I think everyone wants, I think there are, most people realize that there's something bigger and better out there, whether that be found through religion, whether that be found by joining a cult, whether that be find, found by joining a mastermind, people want to belong to something and want to feel like they're doing something that's a little bit bigger than what they are, right? So uh, my question, the first thing that pops into my mind is there's evidence, and you, you and I have had this conversation before as well, there's evidence that maybe it was 30, 36,000 years ago, I don't know how far back, but people lived like this before. They lived in, yeah. in, in, in indigenous communities of of people working and connecting and collaborating and growing together. And it was, they were in a symbiosis with mother earth and all those sorts of things. And then somewhere along the way, we got away from that. How did we get away from that? In your opinion, want to connect with us more? Would you like to check out past episodes? You can do so by clicking on any of the links below. You can also find us on Instagram at Lisa staff photo and at fusion photog. They are also listed below. This is uh, the story of the Garden of Eden, really. This is when uh, Adam was on his own first. What that story represents, I was actually reading it this week, is that uh, Adam used to be whole when he was alone. And what that meant was that his conscious and subconscious mind were in full resonance with each other. Basically, he was in the moment. He was in a meditative state all the time. You can call that connection with God for some people, or you can call that just being present, fully present. And then Eve was brought into the game and Eve represents nothing else but the subconscious mind separating from the conscious mind and the emergence of the ego, of I, of me, separate from the rest. And that's when we fell out of the Garden of Eden. That's when the conscious and the subconscious mind separated and the ego started a battle for survival. And we are now having an opportunity to return back to that. It's going to be a bit of a journey, but... Uh, that's such a great explanation of that, like taking that to another level. I feel like we've been fed like baby pablum on what that actually means. And that resonates so much more. Oh, we've been totally, completely fooled for thousands of years by all the institutions and religions and what have you not. There, the, the, the symbolism and, and, and mythology that's hidden in these ancient scriptures is gold. But even the representatives of these religions have lost the true meaning of it. Not a single priest that you go into a church and you ask this story about the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve is going to transmit this information with you. This is Gnostic information that's gone lost in translation. And that's why we're all so lost because in a way we all are one with the mind, with our subconscious and with the source in the universe. Uh, I was actually listening to Russell Brand this morning saying that's why so many of us have such a hunger and that's why we are either working hard or using sedatives or booze or whatever, we're looking for this, this shot back into our original state. And we've forgotten when we incarnated in our bodies and everybody finds their own vehicle to come back to their soul's essence, really. 
And there's many ways to do that constructively. Yeah, you you were talking about you know the thirty six thousand year cycle, and that that repeats itself from what I understand. My understanding of quantum physics yeah. and planetary alignment that's been a cyclical thing for millions of years on this planet, right? And we can go down that rabbit hole in another conversation. But one of the things that you just said a few seconds ago in terms of the story of the Garden of uh, Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and religion and all these different things is, um, you know, there is physical scientific evidence to suggest that. Thousands and thousands and thousands of scripture on stone and 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 was burned, for example, by I think it was Constantinople burned it on all those stories. And then, but going back to the the history of Sumeria and on the writings on the wall and the books that they have recently discovered, talk at length about this sort of this oneness with this plant with the planet and the symbiosis and plant medicines and all those sorts of things. So my question is, is in terms of the plant medicine. You mentioned that when you had done ayahuasca and when you got into that space, you had a whole new different resonance that became part of who you are. Why do you think that that sort of logic is is banned today by most countries and that sort of therapy and treatment is discouraged? Why? Because it originated thousands of years ago when we were still living in a matriarchal society, when we were still honoring the goddess and the feminine. I don't know what flipped, but uh, Terence McKenna has a good uh, hypothesis about this, that uh, we used to live as a psychedelic society, embracing shamanism and the elements and our connection with nature. And for whatever reason, that ceased to exist. Maybe these plants were not available anymore. Uh, maybe someone came up with an idea and, and inspired a lot of people to follow their path. But for some reason, we lost that kind of connection with the shamanistic way of life. And um, over time, uh, yeah, there were a bunch of men that were really ego-driven and that uh, thought that uh, women were too powerful. So they removed all of the ancient knowledge about the true power of the feminine. Yeah, women are incredibly, incredibly powerful, way beyond anything that we acknowledge right now. They are the true oracles and receivers of divine knowledge and the true birth of creation is through the feminine. And that's been marked out it's been deleted it's been completely hidden from all of us so men could take over and men are based on the mind and on logic and ratio it's the, the masculine that penetrates reality with direction and decision and action ability but it's the feminine that is receptive and that is uh, omnipresent and that's caring and nurturing but we're on a complete self-destruction method the self-destruction path because it's men ruling the world making decisions and that's all about dominance and that's all about more and that's all about results and that's not about nurturing creation and harmonizing and that's what we've lost and that's why we're so stuck in our head altogether we're just programmed for thousands of years like this lisa i know you're thinking a million things right now don't get yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm about to pack my bags so that i can move in to your new community that you're building you got room for it one more person because oh, wow. thousands of people so much space yeah <laughs> yeah people <laughs> resonate with this it's not for everybody you know a lot of people hear this and they think you're fucking crazy man but uh <laughs> but the people who know this to be true resonate and they're awakening right now over the last decades they have been awakening um, in masses and it's accelerating there's so many more people awakening to this you said i want to go back to that for a second um you said you don't really know why we lost our way, why women were, were basically erased from history books and were erased from the annals of time and man took over for, for 
I have my theory around it. What's your theory around it? Is it just a matter of control, domination? But caveat. Well, my, 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 my theory is that we were a psychedelic societies globally. And we did boundary dissolving activities with plant medicine globally. There's plenty of evidence in archaeological findings also that in uh, Mesopotamia, Sumeria and whatever, that our ancient origin societies were a mushroom society. Terence McKenna writes about this in Food of the Gods. It's an amazing book that gives a hypothesis, not a proven theory, but hypothesis that we used to work with mushrooms, but for whatever reason, uh, they became less abundant around us. So due to climate change, whatever, these mushrooms weren't growing anymore. And they were conserving them in honey initially, but they kept it in honey for a long time and it fermented and it became alcohol. And we slowly gradually shifted into a mushroom society, into an alcohol society. Because every society globally has one or two acknowledged substances that are heavily cheered upon and celebrated and not demonized. And all the others are demonized, right? So in the West, we have alcohol and tobacco that are being celebrated and socially accepted, but they're hard drugs. They're very limiting and they make your, you more ego-filled and less acceptant to uh, other people. And these psychedelics do the opposite. And over time, it's just been banned. And it's probably just through natural flow of <laughs> Well, it's interesting thing. And you talk a lot about vibrational energy and the planet and all that sort of stuff. But from my understanding around alcohol, it actually suppresses your energy vibrations, whereas yeah. mushrooms yeah. or psychedelics increases your energy vibration. Yeah. So by suppressing people and making them, and, and, and it's also addictive, by doing that, it forces people to kind of be under a zombie-like state for better control, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, so the, for me, the only conclusion I can draw from that is by, by providing this sort of a chemical that not only suppresses you and makes you in a zombie-like state, it makes you more um, amenable to control. And that, for me, would be the only reason why this sort of shift has occurred. But where I was going with that question is you've talked about Mother Earth and the universe and its inherent, its inherent know-everything intellect. Was there a lesson for us to learn through all of that? And, and what was that lesson and how? So, for example, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about there's no such thing as a mistake. There's just whatever it is that you do and how you yeah. respond to that and learn from that. So through this suppression of knowledge, through this scratching out of the history and the power of the women through this creation of alcohol and and suppressing people's power and energy was there a lesson that we were supposed to learn through all that so that we can come out on the other side which potentially might be right now oh 100 we need incredible crises as human beings to evolve and the bigger the crisis the bigger the evolution and we've just been in the dark ages for thousands of years so that we can move into the light ages if there's not enough pain there's not enough movement to change if we're content, we're content. We're just chilling out on the beach. But if there's enough crises, enough people will be shaken and will be woken up and will start to take action. So that's so it. So what do you think is going to happen with this uh, crisis that we're in right now? What do you think some of the, or what do you hypothesize some of the changes will be? The way I understand it, it can still go both ways. We, the battle hasn't won, hasn't been won yet in the sense there's two possible futures the way I see and understand it now and what I've learned through teachers and guides. And one is totalitarian, complete control by uh, a new world order that suppresses humanity and uses technology to keep us enslaved, what we've been for thousands of years. 
we're just becoming more aware of it, but it's been like this for, well, a long time, a very long time. That's possible future one. And that just means, uh, well, what we see now amplified pretty much, right? And what governments are trying to do. And the other future, the other potential future is uh, fifth dimensional life, which means uh, purely based on trust and being in the moment and heart coherence and uh, co-creation together. Um, and uh, a, a globe and, and a planet where everybody is taken care of, where we share the resources equally, where wealth is distributed fairly and transparently, and um, where we basically all celebrate life and evolve as human beings in our spirit. That's why we came here in this body. That, uh, it, yeah. It's a letting go a lot of the I and my needs and, and, and transcending that and becoming of service to the greater good in humanity. We have many teachers who've gone before us. I think what's happening now is actually it's the return of Christ consciousness. You see that there is an incredible emergence of care for each other and love for each other and for the planet and, and to help each other. So we can see the essence of this emerging already. But the more people believe it, the more people dream up this new future, the more it will have the opportunity to manifest because the reality and the future is nothing else but a translation of the story that's alive in the collective subconscious. So we can go either to hell or to heaven to make it short. I'm taking option number two. And <laughs> I love your <laughs> I love your positive take on that. The the you know, people's hearts coming out as well, because sometimes that's really hard to see. Christine here has a comment. She says she doesn't think this is enough. This crisis is enough for the bigger shift. There will be some some other crisis coming, I think, to get us to 5D. Don't know what your thoughts are on that. It depends on how stubborn we are to learn. She also wrote, yes, we're stubborn. We need the pain. <laughs> if the pain is big enough for a tipping point, like there is another hypothesis. It's also written in the Kabbalah that we need a 10% critical mass of awakened people and then the collective will awaken. And the way you can envision this, I really like this, um, this visualization of it. Let's say there's a blanket over the earth and it's completely putting all of us in darkness. But slowly people are starting to stand up and, and, and push that blanket up. And you see one by one these nodes. And there's these bumps in the blanket all over the globe. But at some point, this 10% is enough to whoop, lift the whole blanket off the planet. And then all of a sudden, everybody else is going to be looking around like, whoa, what just happened? It's kind of that experience that is potentially happening in the future. But that 10%. Christine, yes, it has to have some, it has to be able to sustain, right? Because that's how it's going to collectively continue to grow. It, it can't just be a one time, it just can't be a one time I'm standing up to do something. You have to oh, have no, no, I, I mean, I'm never going to be the same person as before I drank ayahuasca for the first time. So as soon as you are, it's like what, what has been seen cannot be unseen. Do you think it's semantics? And I'm going completely different direction for a second. You've talked about 5D. Rabbit hole. <laughs> 5D is in Delta, by the way. I want to make this distinction because there's 5G, which is part of some people's logic is saying that 5, 5G is about this totalitarian enslavement, control, manipulation, watchtower society, right? And by yeah. having five by having 5G technology, 
governments will be able to do that, correct? There's one argument out there. And then there's 5D, which is the fifth dimension, which is being able, so we're in three dimension right now, right? We're in a third three-dimensional society. So is there some sort of parallel between that language, that crossroads 5G and 5D? There's two encampments, or is that just me yeah. just going out there on planet seven? Oh, that's really funny. I didn't correlate that, but uh, who knows, man? I don't have an answer to that question, so. Awesome. All right, so let's make a shift here. You are you are obviously part of the five D group. You are a you are involved in in plant based ceremonies and plant based logic, and you're part of you're in favor of the feminine nature. So you've started this organization called the Tribepreneurs. Tell us a little bit about this and what your take is in terms of masterminds, because masterminds, in my opinion. Lisa and I were having this conversation. They've been around for a long time. Napoleon Hill, you referenced in the beginning, Think and Grow Rich. He kind of instituted that first concept around mastermind or the modern mastermind. Masterminds have been around for thousands of years. People have yeah. been in shamans and feminine, feminine groups that are running the, the matriarchs and societies and all that sort of stuff. But he brought this back to the forefront in the modern terms of, of, of our society. And then it kind of went silent for a while. And now suddenly it's exploding everywhere. And we literally get somebody hitting us up with a mastermind concept on a daily basis. So wow. what, what makes yours unique? What makes your experience different from another? And I kind of think I know your answer, but I'd like to hear your take on it. Sure. So like I already said before, most masterminds, and this is an essential part, but most masterminds are focused on um, business value only. And that uh, they do that through uh, resource and skill sharing and strategic decision-making with an advisory board. You know, it's very useful to be with like-minded business owners who've walked a similar path and then look at some of the next moves you're about to make and get some input. Very valuable. Um, but what the mastermind is also about, and that is what I said before, is to amplify your connection with the source. And I don't see that much. To be honest, I haven't seen that anywhere in any of the content copy or marketing around mastermind groups that anybody is promoting that. And what we what we offer is uh, is yeah full spectrum mastermind groups, and you could simplify it to saying we do emotionally driven business development. We help people get in touch with their intuition, with their gut feeling. We hold space for them, and it's more than just with the mind. We take space at the beginning of our meetings to, we do a one minute check-in and then we open the field and we really bring everybody down into their body, out of their heads for a moment. And then we connect and then we brainstorm. So yes, we use the mind and we use business development and we use plans and strategies and all of that. But the underlying vibration of it all is, is heart-centeredness and at the same time, bringing in your full being, I would say, in order to grow your business. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. For people who are not familiar with the concept of spirituality and, and the awakened awareness that you possess, how does one make a connection between joining a mastermind for the purpose of growing my business and to succeed and have success economically with the spiritual development side? How do those two correlate in your opinion? If I, if, I know not, if I know nothing about any of this, and I'm, I have never been exposed to spiritual development, I've never obviously taken plant-based therapies, I've just been motivationally driven to succeed, to excel, to make money, to build my empire. How can that sort of a development and nurturing help me on this side of the fence? 
if your sole purpose in your life and your sole feeling of fulfillment is making money, then I'm afraid that I cannot help you. But if there is even just a fragment or a fraction of some desire for fulfillment, for lasting fulfillment, something in your heart, something in your peace of mind, in your being, yeah, then you know. And um, we all, no matter where we are and how we look at the world, we all want clarity, right? We all want to know what to do next. And we'd all like to feel that good, that our next move is good, that it's going to lead us to a place where we want to be. And some people take more time to actually envision where they want to be and how they want to feel instead of only monetary reasons. And I hope the majority of your listeners also have that perspective that there's more to life than material wealth. And if there's more to life than material wealth and it's around family and around fulfillment and around having good health and contributing and making an impact and adding to other people's lives, then this kind of a mastermind will tremendously help you align your vision and your mission with your exec execution plans, with the strategies you're gonna roll out that are going to bring this vision and mission into the world. And that's what we offer. We offer a space where that can be downloaded, where that can be reviewed with others and where you can fine tune your instinct and your intuition into executing that into an implementable plan. And that inevitably is going to lead to a lot of fulfillment and a lot of joy. And of course, much more effectivity and productivity. So you will get to your goals and your uh, results of your strategies much faster, which much more fulfillment, which much less waste and stress-free and yeah, just being in the flow, which sounds a bit wishy-washy, I know, but it's possible to live life so-called in the flow, not only working from goal to goal with your mind, but doing it full body experience. I don't know. Does that make sense? It, yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I, again, I was playing devil's advocate. One begets the other. And if, if you, if for me, from my perspective, which is why you and I first came in contact, if, if one can improve their, their awareness around life and how it operates and how our bodies work and how our subconscious and conscious work, and we, we can become present and mindful around that state, that's a direct and immediate translation in how we run our business and how we run our personal lives and how we treat our friends and our family and, and how we connect with the, with the planet. So I, I understand that. It's interesting. I, I had a conversation and at least I'm sorry if you had a question, I just kind of I had a conversation with somebody who, who a long time ago when I was before, I'm not going to go too far into this, but I had a, a bit of a spiritual awakening following my divorce and, and I've kind of continued marching down that path. And I, I reconnected with somebody from my former world recently. Um, and I call my former world, my 5g world, not the 5d world. And, and the first thing he said to me is like, man, you've gotten really weird. <laughs> and I was like, He's like, I saw your, I saw some of your posts on Instagram. And you've gotten really weird. And I was like, dude, that is the greatest compliment you could ever pay me. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. So, yeah. it, so it's funny. A lot of people, when they, you keep calling wishy-washy. We have a friend named Candace. She calls it woo-woo. A lot of people see that sort of personal development side of life as just that. And it's really because they just don't have any sort of knowledge around it. It's just because yeah. they've been taught 
They've been taught something completely antithesis to that their entire life, from the way they were raised, to the people they hung out with, to the jobs that they've taken, to the schools that they went to. And, and no one's ever taught any of this sort of spiritual development. It, 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 it makes sense to me, it just seems like basic, basic math, that if education systems were to make that shift around exposing more people to that side of development, man, we could transform that shift to 5D exponentially faster. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think I, I recently read that uh, uh, kids before they start primary school, 98% of them are incredibly creative and developmental and innovative. After high school, there's 2% left of these kids. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. We have we are robbing our children from their true essence and their connection with their where their real being because we're programming them to be something that society uh, has invented them needing to be, but it's not really what they are. That's why so many people end up in burnouts and crises and midlife crises and because they've been programmed for decades to believe that something is going to make them happy and fulfill them, but it's not. So what if there was curriculum based dream right there, aren't you? What's that? Glendon, big house, boat, all those things, you know, those things that are supposed to bring you happiness. I'm going to get married. I'm going to do this, 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 and this check, check, check. Why, why am I not? Yeah, why am I still happy? Yeah. And yeah, then we did that, Lise. You and I, we, we took the blue pill years ago. We both marched down that path. We were supposed to build our empire in domination over everyone else. And like, that's what we're taught. That's our global economy-based system right there. There is no such thing as a global economy where we all work together. And look at our current situation. It's one country's position on how we fight this is markedly different than another's. And nobody's working together on any of it. But what I, where I was going with that is one of the things that I see as a opportunity right now is that education has gone from localized physical education it's shifting to an online education format my daughters have been going to school online now for two months i think most people across the planet have been doing that it would be really fantastic to see a mastermind concept where it was involving children at a very young age and like the European soccer system works, for example, they indoctrinate these kids into these camps at four years old, three years old, and they grow up through this system to learn the culture of Manchester United, for example, and by the time they're 16, they, they have lived, eat and breathe the Manchester United concept. Why are there not more programs that are specifically geared towards children and their parents, for example, that's a mastermind theme that teaches kids at a very, very early age, like my daughter and I would join your mastermind together. And not only would I learn the mastermind concept of being spiritually guided and learning to be in touch with my feminine side and all these things for awareness and awakening, but so would my kid. And if we yeah. could start teaching our children at that young of an age, wouldn't that make us a market difference? Funny, we were talking about this two days ago, but um, this also has been erased from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's writing, listen to the children, because they speak truth and wisdom. We don't listen to our children anymore for a long time. And um, uh, when we listen to the indigenous people, they have a very beautiful view on the different layers within a healthy, thriving community. Each person in each age group has a very important role to fulfill. And they look at the role of children, adults, and elders. Okay. 
And basically what they're saying is uh, the adults are just working all the time because they need to provide for the elders and for the children so that they take care of all, all the needs of everybody. Um, then there are other children and they're really running around and they're there as signposts. They're there to signal things, but the elders are way too busy to see the signs of the children that things are out of harmony or out of balance. But that's why there are elders. The elders are there to signal the signs of the children and to communicate to the adults that the collective needs to change in a different direction. And all three of them together form a harmonized community. And we've really lost that because we've also lost our elders know how many old people in our current societies are true elders that they have matured and ripened and completed their life and are thus at service to overview and oversee without their ego coming into play too much. But um, this is what we were talking about, that uh, we're starting this global alliance of change makers who are going to build these cities of lights all over the planet. And we need a board of elders. But the other day, someone said we also need a board of children. We need to create a board where very young children are present and we're going to use their input and their reflection and their energy in the creation process of a thriving community. Absolutely. Before they're told no, because we tell our kids no all oh, yeah. the time. Oh, I'm yeah. guilty of it all the time. I'm constantly telling, don't be so loud. Don't make so much noise. Don't do that. Don't do this. And, and we stop their inspirational muse, their muse which within themselves. And then over time, they're just like, oh, no one's going to like that idea anyway. That's why they're becoming so uh, burned out at such a young age, because we are suppressing their real, their real energy, their real essence. They're so wise. They're still so clean and unprogrammed and uns yeah, uncontaminated, I would say, because they haven't gotten all this programming yet. So they hold very valuable wisdom. You've, but you've, if you're a human race, you know, I, I love this idea. I think it's the perfect vision. But as we become ingrained with things, we also become uh, selfish and power hungry and proud and fear driven as well that, you know, for people to make that transition and give over to, to being selfless, there's so many people in our community that, that are power mongers <laughs> and we'll have a hard time with that. That's, a, that's quite the struggle and quite the, the reaction to have. Yeah. Well, friend, all of them. That's a bit of a buzzkill, sorry. No, but <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's a brilliant point because from the beginning of time through, we're, we're older than obviously a lot of people, but <clears throat> when I was younger and we didn't get to watch a lot of TV, if my dad did one thing right with me, it was that I wasn't allowed to watch television until I went to college. Honestly, the first TV I ever saw was my dad would rent a TV every year for the Super Bowl and then we'd hold it on to it for a couple of days and we'd watch Sound of Music and Alfred Hitchcock movies and then it would be returned to rent a center and I wouldn't see a TV again for another year. But from a very early age... I know. From a very, you should hear me say, I know, I know sound of music line by line, but from a very early age to your point, Lisa, is the priorities that our children are taught the priorities that we were taught was that yeah. you had to be pretty. You had to be pretty. If you were a woman, you had to be smart and powerful. If you were a man, you had to, you have to be fit. You can't have any blemishes. We're told, we're told to hide our, 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 our mistakes and all those things. And so we're, we're literally from day one taught a completely different list of priorities. And, and, and anyway, um, I, I want to go back to one point you made earlier about the elders. I read a really cool story. I cannot remember the name of the book, but I'll, I'll find it. 
some, oh, I think it's called Empire of the Sun, I believe it was called. And he talked about how in indigenous cultures, and this still survives today, that the adults who bore the children don't actually raise the children. No. They go out and they do the toil and they do the farming yeah. and they do the hunting and they yeah. do the gathering and all those sorts of things. And the children are taught by the elders. And, yeah. and all our job is, is, and the point he was making, it's a brilliant book, I'll, I'll find it. The point he was making is, He's absolutely true. Like I had my first child at 30 years. Dude, I don't have the slightest fucking clue how to raise a kid at 30 years old. I have experienced so little of my life. And basically everything that I'm teaching my kid, I'm just learning it from someone else that I may have mimicked or something else that I may have seen. And I think this might be the right way. And that position changes 24 hours later. And so his whole point was, is we have kids having kids raising kids. And it just becomes a self-perpetuating, deprecating cycle. And if we could, if we could get back to the space of elders in a community raising our children and teaching them the wisdom and the knowledge that they have acquired over 70, 80 years of living through that culture, then that would be a market shift in everything. I saw this with the Yawanawa in Brazil in the Amazon rainforest when I visited their village. That uh, it's actually because they were almost extinct. It's they have a, a culture of of having children at a very young age because they need to increase their population tremendously. Meaning that uh, the girls have kids at uh, eighteen, nineteen, sometimes even younger. But after that, they don't have the responsibility to be a mom because the whole village raises the kids mm-hmm. and the children are just running around and then they don't call it. There's my child. You don't. You cannot even identify which child is with which parent because everybody's taking care of them and it's exactly that it's the older people in their society that are raising the kids and teaching them their the values and the wisdom of life because they've gone through it themselves and we're talking about a generation an older generation that's really been initiated huh they're 40 50 years old who have done tremendous shadow work and personal transformation work through really rigorous rituals that are wow that's really it really makes you a tough and strong person both men and women and those are the people who are mature enough and ripe enough to teach the children. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I, um, Amala, what you wrote up on there, that's not the book. I'll send it out in the, in the notes when I find it. Can we just get back to one thing? We've touched on so many things and we could talk forever. Um, you know, you have a, a quote on your website that we're an average of the five people that we hang around with. And yeah. we're talking about your mastermind here. So, yeah. What size of group would you be in in your mastermind? And and like, how do you vet the people that are in those groups? I know that Devo and I, like being entrepreneurs, like we're solopreneurs, we're by ourselves a lot. And one of the things that, that has sparked our business is when we started talking together and we started connecting, making ideas, and that just elevates everything to have someone to bounce off of. And that's just one person. So to be in a, a group of like-minded awakened people um you know i can't imagine how much that would elevate your your process and bring you to your goals a lot faster yeah it does it's incredible it's this is one of the the challenges of many solopreneurs that they feel alone and what they're doing and where is their who can they bounce ideas off and brainstorm together with but also with who can you share about some of the struggles that you're facing and a lot of uh, people that we attract are thought leaders, influencers. They might be guides or hosting uh, big workshops or trainings, and they're often seen as the teacher. 
And I can't really level with too many people, not even with friends and family, about the business aspect of what they're bringing into the world. And then to be in a space with people who can really resonate that with you and really understand you, that's just, it's just profound. And yeah, it's what Tony Robbins says, you become the five people you hang out with most. So you're automatically influenced by the people that you spend time with around what you believe and the actions that you take. And yeah, the more those people are aligned with who you are and the kind of, I'd say with the kind of energy, how you run your business, that's really important. That's how we match people also. Yeah, it's really important to be in the same frequency field, but at the same time, it's much more important how you interact with each other as opposed to who is in your group. So I'd say that even though we take really good care, it's particularly on your experience level, you don't want someone who's just started a business last year with someone who's been running businesses for 10 years. That for a mastermind group is not so effective because what you want is that everybody is kind of at the same level and that way everybody picks the fruits from everybody's development, right? Because it's as if they are walking the path you're also walking, well, they are walking that path. So you're just seeing different roads and different directions that someone else is taking and you pick your fruits from what they're learning. That's why it's so powerful to be with the same experience level. But it's great to have great uh, diversity in, in personality and, and, and intellectual uh, level and maybe also in diversity in businesses because you see areas of business development that you would otherwise never be exposed to. So you might think you're a photographer. You want to be in a mastermind group with only photographers. No, it's much better to be in a much diverse mastermind group because you'll see other industry best practices that will never be deployed within photography, but that you can copy paste into your industry. And that will make you the most innovative and most yeah, uh, pioneering person within your own industry in that sense. So your, your group sizes as well are smaller, right? You're not one in a herd of a thousand that your voice has never heard. You almost would have that um, accountability that you have to show up as well. You're not just sitting by idly and oh, yeah. people. Oh yeah, we have groups of five, six people maximum. We have very small intimate mastermind groups and you go on a journey for a longer period of time with one group. That way you can deepen your connection, you can increase the level of psychological safety together and thus you can. there's more playing field to confront each other so it can rub, so you can hold real honest mirrors for each other and saying, hey, what are you doing now? Why are you doing that? Instead of having the, to be afraid that you hurt someone's feeling or you can't confront someone because it's when we are conf confronted with our shadows and with our blind spots is when we truly grow the most. That's what our development is. Absolutely. Um, I also saw on your site that you have a mastermind hot seat which we're going to be doing with you shortly as well. But it says in there that you can ask the ultimate questions. So what are some of the ultimate questions? Yeah. Well, the ultimate question could be like, is, is this business, am I supposed to be running this business? That could be an ultimate question. But it could also be something as, okay, I haven't put my pricing on for this elite membership yet and um, I'm not doing it. I know that I'm not doing it, but why am I not doing it? What's really underneath the underneath why I'm postponing this? And yeah, it could also be about uh, more practical things around. I'm looking at doing social media marketing. Should I do video? Should I do text? What resonates best for me? You know, whatever is your ultimate question in that week. We come together every two or three weeks with these groups. And within a mastermind hot seat, the person in the hot seat gets 15 to 20 minutes of undivided attention from the group. And it's up to that person of what's their biggest need. 
in that session. And then okay, I want 15 to 20 minutes of undivided attention every day. Behind that. <laughs> no, but that's really the magic of what we offer is that uh, we as a facilitator help people start up a little bit their hot seats. So the first couple of minutes, we might ask some clarifying questions with underneath this, what's really motivating you, what, what's going on. And then we as facilitators, me or Ryan, we step back. And we allow the person in the hot seat to be the director of the moment. And we invite people to be completely selfish. It's you who's talking and it's you who's pointing, who's answering. Nobody's interrupting you. Nobody's taking charge of the conversation. You are in the lead, in the hot seat. And you can also just speak for 15 minutes. But it's tremendously nurturing and, and, and energizing to have a group of people as your personal advisors. And you appoint who speaks and who, who doesn't. It's, it's really magical. Just so like I, your happy place, Devo. No one interrupting you or anything. I, I put your website URL up on there if anybody wants to find out some more information about <laughs> Dan and his concept and his his community that he's growing and some of his language around that. It's tribepreneurs.com. I also put the name of that book that I was referencing. It's called The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight by Tom Hartman. An absolute brilliant book, well-written. He has got a score of novels, but this book was um, fantastically op mind-opening. Um, Okay. Speaking of hot seat, should we jump into it? Because we're six minutes left. Okay. All right. So Dan, a couple of rules on the hot seat. We have a, a series of questions that we have prepared in advance um, in no particular order or frame of reference, just kind of questions that make you feel a little uneasy and uncomfortable and you have to answer them without any thought. <laughs> we want you leaving feeling really awkward Good. <laughs> and just judged as well <laughs> bring it on he said bring it they're actually not that awkward so all right number one question would you rather have lunch with gary v or elon musk elon musk do you think that devo could wrestle a bear and win actually i think he could yeah yes. if he gets really angry yes i think he can yeah i would put money on that i would put money on that I've been training for years, Dan, training for years. Good. Good. Who would you rather do a business collaboration with, Tony Robbins or Warren Buffett? Ooh. That's a tough cookie to crack. That's the it would still be, it would be Tony. Tony Robbins, yeah. Are you highlighting ones for me to read? Well, there's <laughs> some that we wrote in here for Gabrielle. So, yeah, I'm just, you can pick whatever you want, but I'm just kind of – trying to show some of the ones that were for Dan specifically. <laughs> what is the best way to explore human nature, psychology, philosophy, or biology? Plant medicine. There you go. <laughs> That's the, you learn everything about yourself, about your four different elements, your body, your mind, your spirit, and your emotions. Science, spirituality, or a joint collaboration? Oh, both. They're the same. They are the same. They are exactly the same. No different division. What is one principle you would like to impart to your future self to read after reincarnation? Oh, can you repeat that again? That's very <laughs> daunting. What is one principle you would like to impart on your future self to read after reincarnation? Oh my God. I, I guess it's just stop doubting. Just believe. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. You've been given universal power. 
What is one law you're putting into effect today when you get off this call? You have universal authority. <laughs> oh, I, I would say the law of transparency. I like that. What would if that everything's give? transparent, yeah, great. Yeah. Lise, one more? Uh, aliens are real. They're looking for volunteers to live with them for three years in the name of science. Are you going? Of course. And what are you doing? <laughs> what am I packing? I'm packing my guitar. If I'm going to be with my alien friends, I want to make music and sit around the campfire. If they have one, maybe they have some space fire, but you know. <laughs> I wonder what their I wonder what their ayahuasca looks like. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's mind opening. <laughs> alien ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my last question for you. And this is a this or that question. You only get to pick one of these that you have to live with. And this is something that is a problem on this planet right now or a lesson that we have to overcome before we can be aware. Okay? COVID-19 or war? COVID-19. Next, Lisa. Oh, famine or racism? What, famine or racism? Oh, my God. One of them has to stay and persist because we have to learn how to solve it. So which one are you going to oh, You guys are really nasty. I'm short-circuited. I'm just going to flip a coin. It's going to be racism. Yeah, no idea. Deforestation or hunger? Oh, you guys are really tough at the end. <laughs> yeah, neither. I mean, that's both bollocks. Yeah. You down. You have to pick one. One of them has to stay. Well, then it's going to be hunger. Less people, more trees. I know. Sorry, Here's people. A, speaking of hunger, sushi or hamburger? Sushi. Always. Dan, this is. And what does he win? What does he win for all of this? He gets to <laughs> hear the virtual bowl. Dan, I, I enjoy talking to you. Every time I speak with you, I enjoy the conversations a little bit more. And um, I said this from the day you and I met over a year and a half ago, that there was some reason that we were brought together because of all the people that I was Googling for your concept. For whatever reason, I just kept coming back to your weird page. And no, it was. It's like, I, I don't really understand. I, there's some reason that you and I have been drawn together at this time. And, and, and I don't know what it is, but I've really enjoyed the conversations that I've had with you. Today has been fantastic. I could speak to you for hours. So one of these days, we're going to physically meet. If you would like to get involved with Dan and all the amazing things he has going on, um, again, he's tridepreneurs.com. Uh, and we'll share all this information in the production once we release the podcast. Uh, do you have any last things you'd like to impart before you jump off here? Well, it's good to mention that uh, next week, Friday, we're closing the registration for our next program run. And it's going to be a while before we open the doors for the next round. So if anything of this uh, piqued your interest, then uh, send me a direct message and let's talk. And uh, yeah, everything's on the website, all the information, program information, leaflets and everything. So, yeah. Fantastic. It was a true pleasure. I really enjoyed the questions and the diversity of the dialogue. <laughs> I didn't expect it to go this way, but that's the best way to go unexpected. We've well, often thought about changing the name of this podcast to The Rabbit Hole, just for that reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. good one. Good one. That would suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank All you, right. Ben. All right. Thanks. Brilliant conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day. Stay connected.
Thank you for listening to Connect, Collaborate, and Create. We hope you enjoyed the show. If there's a topic you would like to discuss, want to be our guest, or have any helpful comments, feel free to drop us a line below. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again. Have a fantastic day. Thank you.